the Speakernomics Podcast, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association, brought to you by Leadership Books. I am Kenneth Kinney, but friends call me Shark. And like you, I am a professional speaker, and I love listening to Speakernomics, the professional speaker show that will help you thrive and grow a speaking business so you too can change the world, one keynote, session, workshop, and speech at a time. And on today's episode, we're going to dive deeper with Mark Levy. Mark is a differentiation expert. He differentiates corporations, brands, and thought leaders, does a little magic on the side too, and he helps them come up with what he calls their big sexy idea, their signature idea, the idea that they're going to be known for throughout the world. Mark, or do I call you big sexy? Welcome to the show. How are you today? Mark is good. (laughs) Mark is good. Thanks so much. Thank you. So speakers, what are you doing to differentiate yourself from the competition? There are so many speakers out there, but what do you do that makes you stand out from the crowd so that they can pick you to serve their audience? It's a balance between different and safe as well, and as well as the messenger versus the message. And before we jump in, make sure to go to speakernomics.com. That's where you can get the tips, insights, and knowledge to help you become I'm a better speaker, build a better business, and get paid to speak. Mark, before we jump into these questions, help define, if you will, on the front end, what differentiation truly is, especially for a speaker. Well, differentiation, it's a business strategy, right? There's lots of different business strategies. So one business strategy is differentiation. And what it literally means is how you are going to stand out from the competition around you in a way that people will find meaningful and interesting. Um, Your point of differentiation is kind of like your foot in the door, so to speak. And the reason why I say that is... A lot of people get hung up on coming up with a point of differentiation, but you have to realize that your differentiation is not the totality of everything that you are. Mm -hmm. It's really something that's cool and sexy and emblematic of what your work is, but it's something you lead with. And then when people are excited by that, you deliver upon that promise. It's not a bait and switch, but you can bring all your other stuff behind it. It's not like you have to drop everything in order to uh, just focus on the differentiation. It's that everything behind the point of differentiation has to be seen in light of the differentiation, if that makes sense, right? It does. It does. It's the hook, but don't concentrate just on the hook and not the the rod and the reel. And I hate to bring up any fishing reference whenever talking about sharks. That's right. But then let's discuss a little bit. How should a professional speaker go about differentiating themselves in the marketplace? A lot of it too often becomes, is it the messenger or the message? Right, right. A lot of people, uh, well, I, I don't know a lot, but certainly there's some that their point of differentiation is their charisma and talent. And that's a very acceptable way of being. I'm not saying that it's not, but when you have less charisma, like myself, for instance, <laughs> I'm a big believer that your material needs to be very strong behind you, that your ideas need to do the heavy lifting for your brand, even when you're not around. 
And even if they're being looked upon by an audience who's not your friends, the ideas need to stand on their own. So an important part of differentiation, and everyone knows, you know, my client, Simon Sinek, start with why. Mel Robbins, the five-second rule. Tim Ferriss, the four-hour work week. Me with your big, sexy idea, right? Everyone always comes up to me and says, oh, I need a big, sexy idea. And they call me, it's all about big, sexy ideas. That's the umbrella idea at the front of my brand. And everything, right, is under that umbrella. The important thing about differentiation as a speaker that you need to know is that speakers tend to go to their backstory as their point of differentiation. In other words, why they're doing what it is they're doing, the story of it, and that's what their differentiation is. And that is a super acceptable, wonderful way to be. But I also just wanna let speakers know that there's organic meaning, Like, so I would say your backstory is like organic to who you are. It's baked into who you are. It's there already. So that's one thing. But there's also constructed meaning. And I find that a lot of speakers sometimes, they don't realize that, that actually you can create a point of differentiation. You can create a new idea. You can create something new for yourself and differentiate around that. I'll stop this rant I'm on, but it's this idea of the things that are meaningful for your background. It's just a time delay. Like they were meaningful for you, like however many years ago, and now there's now. And so you can do something different now. You don't have to rely on what past meaning is. You can, but you don't have to. How did you employ that in in your own world as a speaker? I mean, I know you do a ton of work in consulting and you do your fantastic speaker because I've seen you speak multiple times. But how did you do that in your own speaking career? Yeah. So my thing is your big, sexy idea. That's my point of differentiation. So it's your differentiation, but it's your differentiation in a very vivid, exciting, compelling way. That's what a big, sexy idea is to me. It's not some staid, sleepy thing. It's a very colorful thing. And so the way I've done that in my own career is anything I do. So I'll coach people on writing books. I'll coach people on giving talks. I'll help them create their differentiation. By the way, I do this for large organizations too, but since we're talking about speakers, because everything you do needs a point that people can repeat. So in other words, there needs to be an idea at the forefront of any talk you do, of any speech you do, of any business you start or so. So I am always able to use the big sexy idea concept in anything I bring out because everything I bring out needs to have a salient point at the very, very front of it. Does that make sense? I'll just it does. I'll just give you an example. Years ago, only because this just comes to my mind right now. 
Years ago, I did a video series for O'Reilly Media, and it was called Influencing People Honestly, Ethical Persuasion Strategies for Leaders, Managers, and Entrepreneurs. It teaches you persuasion strategies that are so fair that you could share them with the person you were trying to persuade as you were trying to persuade them, and they would applaud you for it. It's because these are strategies more of helping people make the right decision and showing them honestly and ethically what it is that you're doing and what you're talking about mm-hmm. and helping them make the right decision for themselves. It's not about boxing them into a corner or anything like that. And the, the way I came up with those persuasion strategies that I use there, those ones that are so fair you could share them with people, is 30 years ago I was in sales and I was using like secret techniques of like boxing people in. But, you know, I was a kid. I was, you know, like whatever. I was in my 20s. And I just said, I just hate doing this. This sucks. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to do this. And so I decided right then and there that I would never use a sales strategy that I would be ashamed of being caught using. And so everything I just said to you, Shark, and anyone listening, I'm not like trying to sell you on the video series, but all that's around a point of differentiation of a big, sexy idea. But that's not my normal work. My normal work's differentiation. It's coaching people on writing books or so. But does that make sense? It does. It all falls under that umbrella. To put it differently, every product you do, every service you do, every speech you do needs to have its own elevator speech that's really sharp and interesting. And like if you wrote a book, I will very often ask people about their past books and they often can't really tell me about their past book and the book might be great they might have done a real service to humanity with the book but when i ask them about that more often than not they kind of fumfer around it and so it needs to be sharp around an idea because that's what people take in and that's what they remember they remember one thing absolutely well, another question, we know that being different is important, but how should we also balance that difference with being a safe choice? It's not like meeting planners or the kind of people rolling into Vegas at midnight and putting all their chips on a slot while wearing a blindfold at the same time. I mean, this is, you know, this is a very stressful job and they have to make tough choices for their audience because they're judged so heavily with the, with the right kind of speaker, but that right kind of speaker it may sometimes differentiation may be hard for them to either understand or adopt. So when we think through that with a little bit of the element of risk versus just being different, how do you sort of differentiate yourself with also being a safe choice, if you will? That's a great question. It's a difficult question to answer because it's in the abstract. Absolutely. But I'm going to answer it. But I'll give you a, I'll give you an example. Oh, okay. And I was going to say, I'm going to answer it anyway, but go ahead. Yeah, I'm nicknamed Shark, and I get asked to speak about all kinds of things, even though I'm really known for one thing in particular. But sometimes when you're not, and when you haven't been speaking for 20 or 30 years, and you're not known by every meeting planner and every bureau, they wonder, what is this goofball doing who swims with sharks and also is a is a keynote speaker? <laughs> you know, Right. Uh, beautifully put. Well, I would say in answering the question, 
It's what's safe and what's dangerous are really based on context. So you kind of have to know who the audience is that you're the way uh, you would ask the question. It has this huge societal feeling and you can't really sell to society at large. You really have to pick who your audience is and some meeting planners will not like that or some audiences are not going to like that and they're not going to call you. But the people who are going to call you right the people who would like it are the ones who are going to call you and everyone listening to this knows this idea but i'll tell you a story real quick anyway because people always love this story so years ago there was a marketer named greg steelstra he was the guy who helped dr rick warren with purpose-driven leadership and purpose-driven church and all those purpose-driven books. And so Steelstra, in a book of his, and I'm paraphrasing this, he didn't say it in, in the detail that I'm about to say, but this is what he said. He said, I hate mushrooms. They're slimy, they're rubbery, they're disgusting, they're a fungus. The mere thought of putting a mushroom in my mouth makes me want to wretch. I can't stand mushrooms. There are people who love mushrooms for the exact same reasons I hate mushrooms. Mm. Great point. So if you sell mushrooms for a living, if you grow and sell mushrooms for a living, the way for you to sell more mushrooms is not to grow a hybrid version of a mushroom and dumb down all its mushroomy qualities. So in the hopes of selling it to me, because I hate mushrooms and I don't care what you do to them, I'm not going to buy them. The way to sell more mushrooms is you take your mushroom in all its mushroominess, in all its glory, in the things I find disgusting, and you lead with that stuff. That's how you sell mushrooms. So that's really my answer to your question. You sell mushrooms to mushroom lovers. Just as a reminder, you're listening to Mushroom Gronomics, uh, the official, no, just kidding. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about the marketplace then and meeting planners and then move towards the audience. It's quite often that at an event that there are going to be several speakers in keynotes or sessions or workshops or even the MC, And you're sort of competing for... Uh, a chance for people to remember you as well. What's your advice on how someone should differentiate themselves so that they can be a, that speaker that the audience remembers and not just from being over the top, but really how do they differentiate their content as well? So this is idiosyncratic to me and you can't do this in every keynote what I'm about to say. So I'm not telling you that this is like, you can't do this like in a Ted talk or anything. What I'm about to tell you is that I tend to talk to the audience a lot during the speech, as in other words, and you've been at some of I've seen it. You've seen it firsthand. And I, I've seen it directly. I, I'm not just, you know, like uh, off the cuff thing. Somebody walked in when I saw you speak last and you go, hey, there's Robert. Right, exactly. <laughs> See, Robert, let's give him a hand. Yeah, absolutely. So I speak to the audience beforehand, like before we even arrive. I want to speak to people there. I get in early and I speak to audience members. People are going to be there beforehand and I want to know what's happening with them. When I'm speaking, I'll refer to the things that they're doing or so. And then afterwards, I say near the end of my talk, I, I say, 
you know, I love what it is that I do because what it is I do is I listen to what people are devoting their lives to and I help them amplify that thing that they're devoting their lives to. So I love to hear people's life, life story. If you see me walking around, I'm going to be here till the end of the day today or I'm going to be here tomorrow till 11 in the morning when I have to catch a flight or whatever. If you see me walk around, please come up to me because if you're devoting your life to something, I want to hear about it. So that's how, and again, I can say this to you because you've seen me, I think, speak a, a couple of times. That's just how I go about doing it. It's like the, the talk is just an extension of a converse, of a dinner conversation with people. That's great. So question I want to ask you that comes from a previous guest. This is a quote that Henna gave me. What is the one instance of when slowing down or sitting still has helped move your speaking business forward? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And my initial thinking is, is slowing down does not help my speaking business, that I'm a very driven guy. I actually have to set different intentions for myself in order for me to take action. Like I actually think like, oh, I need to find prospects or I need to be funny, or I need to be like, I actually have to give myself instructions like that. Otherwise, I just sit around and I watch YouTube. That's what I do without giving myself instructions. But that said, to answer her question about slowing down where it really enhanced my business. So because I do a lot of writing, when you have to do a lot of writing, you tend to process the world as stories, whether you're actively trying to do that or not. In other words, when you're backing off. So there was a woman who in the 1970s in a book or the 1980s, her name was Lou Willett Stanek. She actually said stories happen to the people who can tell them. So in other words, if you have to write a lot, if you have to speak a lot, new talks or whatnot, you will start seeing the world through the lens of material. What it is I'm saying, my long answer is when I relax, it allows me to take in more of the world and it gives me more material for my talks, for my posts, for all my stuff. I hope that that makes sense what I just said. Uh, on, on, on a personal level and a professional level, makes perfect sense. Beautiful. Thank you. So you're a successful speaker, but like me, you're always learning. What question would you like to ask a future guest on this show? I always have a ton of questions for people, but one question that I really like to ask is, what is the most unusual thing that you do regularly or semi-regularly in order to win business? Maybe a one-off or something you just draw upon at times, and it's something that other people just wouldn't think about. It's a great question. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do a quick recap based on Mark's amazing advice. When we were talking about the marketplace, he said you can create a point of difference, but remember that it's the hook 
you got to make the differentiation meaningful. That's just a starting place. Meeting planners, when talking about that, we talked about understanding your lane because the people that like you often will be the ones who understand your differentiation, especially if it's mushrooms. Number three is we talked about the, the message. The talk is and I love this. The talk is just an extension of a dinner conversation. So let's keep that going forward. Mark, any closing thoughts before we drop the mic and move on? No, I am just so impressed that someone who swims with sharks would be interested in what I had to say. I'm much more interested in your life. Well, again, you know I love the different sharks. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, that's because I love the different sharks. Right, right. Exactly. We talked about that. I had asked you about hammerheads, and I think you said, oh, everyone wants to know about about hammerheads because they're different yeah nobody nobody asks about you know great whites anymore it's always about hammerheads and maybe tiger sharks because they got stripes right you need to be pardon me the hammerhead in your ocean absolutely all right well friends make sure to join us at speakernomics.com and let your voice be heard thank you to leadership books for sponsoring this episode of speakernomics i am kenneth shark kenny your host of the national speakers association podcast speakernomics and this has been another fantastic episode thank you listeners for the privilege of your time and remember it's the podcast where you'll learn to speak get paid repeat This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.